Let's pray as we look at this together. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that this Christmas morning we can hear again the story of Jesus. And we pray that you'll speak to our hearts, that you'll move us to respond in faith and in obedience. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, let me wish you a Merry Christmas and a humble New Year. That's right, a a humble new year. I I think Christmas is a time when we can kind of uh, fall into excess, isn't it? Uh, We can eat too much. Anybody eaten too much already? Uh, How are the chocolate bars? They're good? Uh, Pacing yourself, I hope. Um, Got a little bit of room left for lunch. And then after lunch. And then dinner. And then supper. See, we, we, we can tend to eat too much, can't we? We can tend to drink too much. We can tend to spend too much. Um, I won't ask for a show of hands here, but I wonder if anyone thinks they've already spent too much this Christmas. Uh, oh, OK, we've got a show of hands anyway. Yes, a, a few of them. And, and one of the problems, I think, with our excess at, at Christmas is we're difficult to buy things for uh, because we, we tend to have things that we need already and... So we look for things that might be a little quirky, a little bit different, a little bit special, or maybe to replace the one that we used to have. And so we just end up buying things that we don't really need as well. And of course, there's a whole industry that's designed to make us do that. Uh, The shopping centres have been gearing up for this moment uh, ever since last Christmas. In fact, the retail industry tell us that if Christmas didn't happen, uh, they would go broke because they double their sales every Christmas period. Christmas can be a time for great excess, uh, whether it's the, the shops and their, their decorations, the extravagant things that they get us to buy, the, the massive catalogues they put in our letterboxes or the direct Uh, advertising through Facebook and the internet, there can be a frenzy when it comes to Christmas. I don't know whether uh, any of you have tried to find a park in Port Macquarie in the last two or three days. You may as well give up. Uh, Everybody there, everybody packing the stores, it can be a time for excess. And it's not just the shopping centres, is it? Uh, Maybe some of you have uh, done the, the, the nighttime drive to have a look at the houses. Uh, You can tell me later where the best houses are, where the ones that are most decorated, where the the most colour, the most lights, the most extravagant, the most electricity is being used. Um, I I wonder whether some of the houses have actually invalidated their insurance already. I remember watching on the news uh, just a few nights ago one particular house, I think it was in Sydney, Uh, where thousands upon thousands, probably tens upon tens of thousands, had been spent in lighting up just about every square inch of the house and of the front yard. A number of years back, my uh, family and I came up to Port Macquarie before we lived up this way for a holiday, and we went on one of those evening tours around uh, behind the marinas uh, in Port Macquarie, and the guy wanted to show us a house that had burnt down because they left their Christmas lights on They shorted and it ruined the house. Well, I wonder whether sometimes we long for Christmas to be a bit more simple. 
Do you, do you kind of look back nostalgically when Christmas was a more humble affair? I mean, I, I can and I do. Uh, I remember a time when the one extravagance when it came to, came to meals in our house was we'd either have a turkey or we'd have ham. And we would cut down our own Christmas tree, we'd decorate it with coloured crepe paper and paper angels, we'd, we'd use recycled paper with our cards, cutting up last year's cards to make next year's cards. And I remember my father making very, very sure that we didn't tear any of the wrapping paper, but we neatly folded it so that it could be used a second time around. And I see a few nods. Do we long for a time when it was humble like that? Let me take you back to 2008 for our family, because we had a very humble Christmas in 2008. We had very simple presents. We gave each other things like rocks, leaves, flowers, uh, sometimes with sticky tape to cards. We wrote poems for each other. It was all very natural. Uh, I think that I broke the pattern and gave some socks uh, for Christmas. But let me tell you, I'd be kidding myself about how humble we were. This would be a clear case of humble bragging. For the reason we did that was we had treated ourselves to a bushwalk across the overland track. And those rocks and those leaves and those poems weren't the only Christmas presents. There was the cost of the trip. There were the rucksacks and the sleeping bags and the tents and the cooking gear and the expensive dehydrated foods and I could go on and on and on. But enough about me. Let me take you back to that first Christmas because the first Christmas was exceptionally humble. We read in Luke chapter 2 these words. So Joseph also went up to the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and the line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. And while they were there, the time came for the baby to be born. And she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. And she wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for him. So you think about that first Christmas. There's There's Joseph and Mary, an unmarried mother, probably a teenager. There was no hospital, no birthing centre, no accommodation available. She's wrapped up in cloths and she's placed into a manger. Well, we know it wasn't a manger, don't we? Because we've sung um, away in a manger for a long time. And we kind of think, well, yeah, mangers, that's that's. Christmas for bed, isn't it? I mean, it was... No, no, no. Manger is feeding trough. That's where the food got put for the animals. And no room in the inn means it was either in a stable, but we're not told it was in a stable. It could have even been outdoors. And there's no bed for the baby. The baby is stuck in a feeding trough for animals. And yet we've heard that so many times that we kind of take it for granted. In fact, it wouldn't be Christmas without that nativity. We expect that the baby needs to be put into a manger. And so when in Japan a number of years ago, they got it slightly wrong and they put a little Santa Claus into the manger 
We, we think, no, hang on, they've, they've kind of mixed up their stories somewhere. But we know there should be a manger. Because mangers go so well with Christmas. And maybe they do. But do mangers fit with the birthplace and the bed of the Son of God come to earth? So we've, we've taken this story for granted. We've heard it so many times. But it is a story of extraordinarily humble beginnings. This is God become a human and placed into a feeding trough. This is God among us. This is God incarnate. Here is the one born to be king. This is the one who is to be the saviour of the world. Look at verses 10 and 11 there. The angel said to them, Don't be afraid, I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a saviour has born to you. He has been born to you. He is the Messiah. He is the Lord. Friends, if we go a little deeper here, we see that this first Christmas is more humble than it looks. For in Philippians chapter 2, we have been reminded that, that this God didn't consider equality with God something to be used for his own advantage. That Jesus Christ rather made himself nothing. He took the very nature of a servant and he was made in human likeness and he was found in appearance as a man. He was a man. He humbled himself and he became obedient to death, even death on a cross. Friends, that's where we see the humility of Christmas. That God would enter our world, that he would become a human being, that the all-powerful one would become weak and vulnerable. That the God of all the universe would enter a woman's womb, become an embryo, grow as a fetus, that God would enter the world attached to an umbilical cord, surrounded by amniotic fluid, that he would be born and wrapped up in cloths and stuck in a feeding trough. There's the humility of Christmas. What kind of a God would do this? Well, a God who wants to save us. That's who. You might have sung the hymn that has these words, My God contracted to a span, incomprehensively made man. We can't get our heads around it, can we? How can the God who's who's made everything that has ever existed, the God of this entire universe, contract himself to be a baby, placed into a feeding trough. But that is our God. And we see why God did this. We see why this first Christmas took place. For in Luke 2 verse 11, this one has come to be the saviour. In Philippians chapter 2 and verse 8, this one has been humbled, obedient to death and death on a cross. He's come to be humbled to the point of death. A death that will be crucifixion. It's hard to be more humble than that. 
They, they tell us that the Romans loved executing people that they wanted to shame. Because there was nothing more shameful than to be stripped naked and nailed on a cross as a public spectacle. And our God planned to go through with that. Here is the innocent one taking the place of the guilty. As we celebrate Christmas, we remember not only that God should enter our world as a baby, that the baby should become a man and die so as to be our saviour. Put simply, the purpose of Christmas is Easter. Do you know the significance of Christmas? Come back to Luke chapter 2. In Luke 2 we read these words that, that God in his good purposes planned for us. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David a saviour has been born to you. He is the Messiah He is the Lord. Friends, I want to ask you this morning, do you know the true significance of Christmas? A Christmas beyond the excess that we've made it. A deeper, more humble Christmas. God's present to humanity, to all nations, to all creeds, to all colours, to all languages, to all places. God's Christmas gift to you and to me. And I want to ask you, have you taken hold of that gift? Have you unwrapped it? Have you opened that gift? I imagine if you're like us, then you probably still have a few presents at home, maybe under the tree. Uh, When I was little, we got rationed. We could open one each and then go to church. Some kids had bucketfuls at church. But then they'd probably unwrapped all theirs and we got to go home and do a few more. But wouldn't it have been sad if one of those gifts got missed? If in all the flurry and activity and chaos associated with opening those presents under the tree, one got overlooked. Perhaps the present got tossed out with the wrapping paper. It'd be easy to do, at least in our house. Maybe accidentally forgotten, never opened. I was given a gift card about 18 months ago. It was valid for a year. I've lost it. I've no idea where it ever was. But wouldn't it be a tragedy if we were to miss God's gift to us? If we were to leave it unopened and unused? And so this Christmas, I want to encourage you, to plead with you, to take hold of God's gift to receive Jesus, your Saviour, your Lord. And friends, if you know what Christmas is about, if you've already unwrapped that Christmas gift, I want to ask you not to keep it to yourself. Because this is a gift to be passed on. The angels declared that this is a time of great news. News. The thing about news is, is to be passed out, is to be, is to be communicated. And this is good news. Good news to be shared with all who will listen. 
I want to encourage you to let this news change you. To share it with your neighbours, your family, with your friends. And I want to encourage us to heed the example of Jesus at Christmas. To see the one who was humbled for our sakes. And to have that mindset. To have that attitude that we see in Jesus An attitude that puts others before ourselves. An attitude that flows from receiving the gift of Jesus and passing it on. See, in Philippians chapter 2, we are called to have that same attitude as we see in Jesus. Who gave it all up so that we could be saved. We've been called to have that attitude, friends. We've received the gift of Jesus' humility that we might live that in our lives. Today would be a great day to make changes, to make steps forward in that regard, to ask God to fill us with humility. It's a dangerous prayer to ask God to fill you with humility because he might just answer it. He might humble you that you might be humble before one another. What do you want for Christmas? Humility? That's what I want. I want to grow in humility. And I want you to grow in humility too. Because that honours our God. And I want our churches to grow in humility. And I want our Christian brothers and sisters united in Christ by his spirit to humbly encourage and serve one another. And what a wonderful gift we can give each other if we are like that. But not only each other, friends. As we love one another, so the world will know that we are his disciples. And they will see our good deeds and bring glory to God on the day when he visits us. So let me finish by wishing you a Merry Christmas. That you will know your Saviour, Jesus Christ. And wishing you all a humble New Year. Amen.